God, we come and we celebrate who you are. We celebrate your righteousness, your holiness, that you are high and exalted and lifted up. And God, you said you inhabit the praise of your people, and we know that you're with us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And now, God, as we begin to look inside your word, would you, would you let your word accomplish that which you send it out? Would you transform us into your army? Would you mobilize it? Would you transform? God, would you just absolutely erase the lies that Lucifer has written upon our hearts? And God, would you fill us with the Holy Ghost to overflowing? God, make us victors. We believe we'll never be the same because we've been in the house of God this weekend. So we worship you, and in Jesus' name, we praise you. Somebody give our God a shout of praise in the house. Woo! All right, have a seat. Welcome, promisers from all of our campuses. Thrilled to see you. It's been a great weekend already. You're just in for a treat. By the way, before we dive into the Word, let's do one thing. If, at all of our campuses, if you are now or you have ever served in any branch of our armed services, would you just stand all of our campuses? Go ahead, stand right where you are. Just go ahead. And, go ahead. Come on. Stand up. Let's go. Stand up. Come on. Stand up. There we go. Come on, man. We are grateful. We are grateful. Thank y'all. Come on. Thank y'all. That's right. Thank you, thank you. And we, we get to do what we do because of you. We are grateful to God for our freedom, but let me tell you, freedom is never free, and we are grateful for our armed service. You know, many, probably half the world, what we are doing right now is illegal. China, two billion people. In India, we, we landed in Delhi and literally drove all the, almost to Pakistan, never saw a church Middle East, there are places where probably right now the, the persecution is escalating to a level that I haven't seen it in my life. Actually, I saw this week where they're beginning once again to crucify Christians. And so it is unbelievable what's happening around the world. So thank you, military folks. If you go in the military, it's not for the money. So that goes without saying. So we're grateful for you guys. Anybody in the house love God? Is anybody in the house? Come on, every campus. Man, if you love what God is doing, give him one more shout of praise in the, in the house. And we are, we are so blessed and so highly favored by the way my shirt says, I squad hard. They're in, come on, mate, come on. We got students in the house, any of our campuses. This past Wednesday night, almost 1,050 students at all of our campuses. God is moving. I tell you, in this day and time, when you go visit a church, you will see nothing but silver, blue, and gray hair. And we're grateful for seniors. We're grateful for the generation that went before us. But there's not a generation to follow us, then the gospel will die in America on our dime. And so we're grateful that we have, that we have so many students and there's so many kids that are coming up behind them. And, man, we've got some amazing young adults. So grateful for your faithfulness in this series Coster, if you're new, we're in what's called Heart for the Harvest. It's a four-week series. Uh, it's different teaching, but it culminates next weekend in an annual offering. We bring our tithes and offerings every week, but once a year we take a special offering. We don't do capital campaigns, and, and we bring an offering, which will be next weekend. And we, we reduce debt. We, uh, we launch new campuses, and we do compassion initiatives. Like this year, we're going to launch God Behind Bars and all these other things that we're doing. But every year our attendance drops. 
Uh, and, and, and can I tell you, sacrifice is not a sexy subject in our society. Would y'all agree with that? But it's sexy to God when his people live sacrificially. I've talked to several of our young adult staff members, you know, early 20s or 30, have come to me in the last two weeks and said, Pastor, listen, the church doesn't like this series. And they said, you know, I don't think that the church likes Heart for the Harvest. Do you think we should stop doing it? What did I tell them? I smacked them. In Jesus' name. I laid hands upon them about the head, neck, and shoulders. Because, listen, it's not our job to make the church happy. It's our job to make the church holy. It is our job to lift up the Word of God and to challenge the people of God. And if you're a Christ follower, then you are or you should be living a life of sacrifice, a life of others, a life larger and bigger than yourself. So it's an easy time to bail, but you really haven't done that and pretty grateful, although I've said that all weekend, and at Pelsibi this service, the, the curtains are not drawn back. See those side curtains? That's never a good sign. So I could have spoken too quickly. Could have spoken, because it's again, it's easy. You know what most people do? They bail when an offering is coming. They bail when we're building a building, and then they come back when it's done. Are you with me? Come on, yeah, yeah. And, and they, they come back and enjoy, but they're not there to put forth any effort. And you know what? We're glad they're come, they come, that they came back. But guess what? They'll never experience what the people that built experienced. They'll never enjoy the glory of God. They'll never see the benefit that the people of God that are sacrificing and building the kingdom of God will see. So for most of you, let me just say this is what I believe. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 16 Paul talking about an offering, special offering that they were taking. I rejoice that in everything I have confidence in you. Can I tell you? I have confidence next weekend is going to be in Ephesians 3.20, exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or take offering for God. Y'all believe that? Amen. Yes. Now, let me explain to you something in case you're wondering. Building buildings and launching campuses is not the win. Building, building, and launching campuses is not the win. The win is filling those with people that are giving their heart to Jesus. The win is people that are selling out to God. The win that people are being filled with the Holy Spirit, falling in love with God's word, and living a life that honors God. That's the win. The win is making it hard to go to hell for me, Tennessee, in the name of Jesus. That is the win. That's the win. And there's absolutely no way that we're going to pull that off if we don't all get on board. Amen? 20% of us can't do that. 30% of us, it takes all of us. Because let me tell you, we are at war with the devil, and the devil does not play. Matter of fact, if we were just walk around with our microphone and say, hey, tell me about one of your friends or one of your family members that right now are having their tails kicked by the devil, I would dare say every one of us could tell a story of either your life, your marriage, or a family member's or a friend's. You know, ministry that's falling apart, somebody's life that's falling apart, that the enemy has launched an attack on them because the devil doesn't play. And that's why we're at war. And this heart for the harvest is part of it. I've never felt more of an unction that it needs to be a great offering that I have this year. And let me tell you what, I believe God's about to open some doors. And when God opens those doors, we're going to have to have cash to walk through them. Are y'all with me? Does that make sense out there? And so that's the only way it's going to work. So you know, again, next weekend we'll be, we'll be giving an offering to God. There'll be trunks like this at every campus. 
When you leave today, we'll be giving you an envelope, and we'll give you another one next week, and if you lose it, that's okay. But that doesn't get you out of giving the Heart for the Harvest offering because you lost your envelope. Nice try, but no, no way. And so we'll be, and during worship or next weekend, we'll be, we'll be giving that offering to God. We have one more week of fast. A lot of people seeking God. So ask God what he wants your family to do. Ask God that God would speak to all of the church family. Amen? All of us. Uh, ask God that God would give financial miracles across our campus so that people know, okay, God wants me to give that money. Matter of fact, every day I pray that God will so bless you, so move in your health, in your walk, in your family, in your finances. God would so bless you that everybody sees that people to come to Faith Promise are different. And God will use us to draw people to himself. Amen? So if you were here last weekend, didn't Keith and Kayla do an amazing job sharing their story last weekend? It was awesome, powerful. And Kayla gave a challenge that couples, if you're married, to pray and then sit down and, and, and have your number written down, then exchange numbers. I got an email this week. A couple did that. They sat down. The lady wrote the email. She said, I wrote my number down, and I was sure hoping my husband's was going to be smaller. She said, because I didn't think we could do our number, my number. But when we sat down and we exchanged numbers, they were exactly the same. And I'm starting to hear that all across. People are just sharing, hey, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what God's doing. Let me tell you the deal. So as you're turning in your copy of the Word of God or clicking to your, on your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, let me show you where part of Heart for the Harvest is going in 2015. Father, we ask you to do a great work in Loudoun County. Lord, there's 50,000 people here. You know everyone. You know every need. You know every hurt. You know every pain. You know every family that's breaking up. You know every child that's been abused. You know every lonely person who's looking for an answer and hope. And God, you are the hope. Jesus, you are the answer for Loudoun County. And God, you're looking for somebody who will bring the good news, somebody who will, will put a light into this city. God. Let it be us. Father, would you move in such a supernatural way that you'll defeat hell and you'll release heaven, that people will realize there is a hope, there is a way out, there is a victory. God, use us to make it hard to go to hell from this city and this county. We're looking for you to do a great work, and we want to partner with what you're doing. God, let it be so in Jesus' name. You know, people ask me on a regular basis, not just Faith Promise people, but other pastors, hey, when are you guys gonna quit? Is all you care about is numbers? You know, every number has a name, every name has a story, and every story matters to God. And so, no, we're not gonna quit. And numbers do matter. If you're sitting in Campbell County this weekend, you're sitting in Anderson County, why would you care about Loudoun County? Why don't we just chill? Why don't we let somebody else do it? I tell you why, because this morning, Waking up all over this town are boys and girls, men and women, people that are alone, people that are hurting, people that are scared, people with cancer, single adults, 
They're boys and girls that took off to school this morning. Maybe they didn't have breakfast. Maybe they didn't get a hug. Maybe no one said, I love you. And they wonder, does anybody really care? Does anybody really love me? Well, you and I, Faith Promise, know that one does. His name is God. He sent His Son. And He has called us to love people. And so, yeah, for some of us, Loudoun County seems a long way off. You may never have even been here before. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're going to sacrifice. We're going to give. And we're going to go. We're going to build another campus. And we're going to plant the love and the light of Jesus in that campus. When I think about Faith Promise, putting a campus in Loudoun County, the first thing I think of are all of my friends and their families who don't go to church because there's not one close enough. I think the reason that Faith Promise has affected me so much is because it is so different than other churches and it's so real and down to earth. And I think that's what students really need. You gotta ask yourself, uh, how much is a soul worth? Even if it was one soul to be saved in Loudoun County, it would be worth every penny that it would take to build a building, move into a building, retrofit it, to save just one person from going to hell. There's no value that you can put on that. When you look at everything that Jesus went through for us, and he was willing to take my debt and my punishment that I was supposed to be there to take, why wouldn't I want to do some kind of sacrifice, whether it's giving up, going out to eat every week, taking this a couple weeks out of the month not to do that, setting money aside for the heart for the harvest, doing extra things or holding back on purchases that you don't really need, take that money for heart for the harvest. I see families that are searching for something to fill the hopelessness to make them feel good again. The downside is that God-shaped hole in their heart has been filled with drugs and alcohol, which leads to neglect and abuse of the children and their families. And ultimately, we see incarceration. Twenty-five percent of the children in Loudoun County live in poverty. And poverty breeds spiritual poverty. These children come to school hungry. They come to school abused. They come to school carrying baggage that they should never have to deal with. And I see so many children throughout the court system that are abused and neglected. Children always suffer because of choices that parents make, but sometimes the choices hinge off of circumstances. And children um, in our county are always the victim. And it starts with, with getting these parents back to Jesus Christ. And Faith Promise can do that. Faith Promise has a unique way of loving people back to Jesus Christ. Together, in this Heart for the Harvest, the greatest offering we've ever given to make the greatest difference we've ever made. Just like they did in the New Testament, out of our deep poverty and our liberality, 
even in our affliction, we are going to give and sacrifice so that together we can make a greater difference. That is amazing. Now, if you are at the Blunt, uh, the Blunt County or the Pellissippi campus this weekend, in every chair or every other chair, there are cars that you can sign up if you want to be a part of the Loudoun County launch. Now, we didn't put those in Campbell and North and Anderson uh, because, you know, it's eight hours to Campbell County from Loudoun County. But if you're at Pellissippi or you're, at, you're in uh, the Blount County campus, you may already live or you may want to be a part of that new campus. Fill that out. Drop the offering uh, boxes. And we're building a database now of groups and leaders and getting everything ready for that launch for next year. If you want to uh, serve in the God Behind Bars ministry that we showed three weeks ago, uh, if you would, at every campus, there are God Behind Bars cards at the information kiosk. I've received a lot of emails that said, hey, Pastor, put me on the list. And I got those emails. I did. What I did with those emails is questionable. We discussed last weekend, I'm not a finisher. I'm a reader, but I'm not. A... So if you want to make sure you're on the list, if you'll fill out one of those cards, you say, oh, I sent that to the pastor. He took care of that. <laughs> they don't let me do details here at Faith Promise Church. And so don't go down that road. It's, 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 a hor- it's really a horrible deal. A lot of promisers are ready for the Loudoun County campus. A lot of groups are ready, and we're building more groups, and we're getting ready. So let me ask you a question. If you're listening, Sam, has God given us East Tennessee as our local mission field? Are you sure about that? Did God say it would be easy? Did God say it would be cheap? No, God said that there would be a war. Jesus said the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. If we're really going to make it hard to go to hell, if we're going to win boys and girls, if we're going to impact drugs and alcohol, if we're going to impact jails and, and, and juvenile systems and in court, if we're going to enter, you know, if we're going to, you know, uh, change counties change neighborhoods, it's going to require all of us. Amen? It's going to require a team, a family effort, not some of us, but all of us. Now, when Moses died, God already selected the next leader, which was Joshua. God told Joshua, I want you to lead the people across the Jordan and into the promised land, and I have given you the promised land. Did he say that? Are y'all with me? Did he say it? Now, when he said it, there were 31 kings that lived in the promised land. Do you think they had another plan? Did those kings say, oh, God has spoken, you can have our kingdom? No. They had armies waiting at the border. And then multiple armies would amass and multiple kings would say, let's go together. We'll defeat the people of God. We'll defeat these Israelites. And yet what happened, they did not. That's what the devil does. He's putting up borders and counties. He is fighting us from without. He is also fighting us from within. Because we talk about sacrifice and giving. Listen, part of us, it messes with us because we have an issue with money and we don't want to give. And, and, and you know, all the church wants is my money and all that stuff rolls. Can, can I tell you something? Listen, can, can I, listen, man, the church doesn't have a problem. If that's your mentality, you do. But, but, but if, if we let the devil lie to us, then, then we're not going to do all that we can do and we're going to pull away and back off. It requires a team effort. Amen. 
If we're the army of God, then we've all got to be doing it. It requires all of us. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 1, Paul, and if you missed the first two messages, it's first half of chapter 8, second half of chapter 8. You can get them online. You can get them in our app. You can get them free DVDs or CDs at all of our information kiosks. But I want to challenge you to listen because chapter 8 and chapter 9, the whole thing, Paul is dealing with a special offering. Paul goes to Corinth, is preaching, and they said, hey, he's telling them about the Christians that are in Jerusalem. And they said, let's take up an offering and we'll send it back. So Paul says, great idea. Paul does a cruise around the Mediterranean to all the Macedonian churches, and he's taking up an offering everywhere he goes, right? He's, he's getting ready to head back to Corinth on his way back to Jerusalem, and he writes the letter of 2 Corinthians, and he sends Titus, and Titus is reading this letter to the church in Corinth. And he says, for this uh, superfluous, for us to write to you about this ministry, what ministry? The offering. He said, it's really superfluous, this ministry. For the saints, the word superfluous means to exceed an amount, to exceed the measure, to, to, to exceed the goal, to exceed the number. Paul said, listen, there's no doubt you're going to exceed. And again, I've never felt more unction about what we need to do than I have this heart for the harvest. He said, listen, I'm writing to you. Last week, he said, it's your advantage that you gave. He said, it's superfluous. He said, man, because I, I know you're going to exceed the amount, the number. I know you're going to give everything that we need for the ministry to the saints. For I know your readiness. You guys were ready last year, of which I boast about you to the Macedonians, namely that Achaia, there, there in Corinth, has been prepared since last year. Now, some of you say, well, well I'm, I'm new, Pastor. I wasn't ready for this offering. I didn't know it was coming. Okay. okay. If you're listening to Sam, 53 weeks, we'll be taking another heart for the harvest offering. Amen? So you'll be ready. Just don't say I didn't tell you. Paul said, hey, don't say I didn't tell you. I was there a year ago. You guys know that Achaia has been prepared since last year and that your zeal has stirred up the rest. The word zeal means excitement of mind or excitement of spirit. Now, church, let's be real. If we're doing a series on miracles, your zeal is up there. People lining up to be healed. If I was preaching on how you could have more money, we'd be shouts and everybody would be ecstatic. Man, if I was talking about something, your zeal, when I talk about offerings and sacrifice, the zeal zips. Amen? It just zips right on out the door. I really need to preach with a GoPro. I used to threaten that when I was going to do a series on worship, I'm going to have the, the, the video team video y'all while we're worshiping. And then show it to you when I'm preaching. Because I was at the sound booth last week in the second half, and I watched all the people back there. They can worship with their mouths closed. It's unbelievable. But I don't, you know, I don't know about it. Is that worship for y'all? Does that look like worship? Because that's what I saw. I thought, mm, I just want to throw some baptismal water out there on some people or something. <laughs> See, we're zealous when it's about us getting, but we're not as zealous. So Paul said, man, your zeal has stirred up all the rest of the churches in Laodicea, in, in Philip, man, Philippi, the Bereans, the Thessalonians, all these folks, man, they're, they're motivated. Can I tell you? 
It's happening today with this church. Your zeal has stirred up churches across this country. Churches are coming to us finding out how to do kids' ministry, how to do student ministry. They're coming to us finding out how to do multi-site. I met with, I'm meeting with the executive team at First Baptist Concord. I talked to Rick down at Fellowship. We're helping churches because we were the first multi-site church. We're, but we're, we're not in competition. We're to complete each other, not compete with each other. And so, man, your zeal, your zeal for souls is stirring up other churches. Hallelujah. Way to go. Way to go. Paul said, your zeal in this offering is making everybody give more money. He said, you guys are awesome. You guys are amazing. Let's, let's pick her back up because I don't have a clue where we are. Your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I've sent the, I've sent the brethren in order that our boasting about you may not be made empty. He said, come on, guys, I've been bragging. Don't, don't blow this. Don't, don't make me look bad. In case, so that as I was saying, you may be prepared. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to speak of you, will be put to shame by this confidence. So Paul says, come on, guys, y'all said you were going to do this. Let's, let, let's finish this out. So I thought it necessary to urge the brethren. He's, he's urging, isn't he? Y'all feel his urging? Y'all feel my urging? Because I can up it if you don't feel it. Man, he, he said, he's upping it. Brethren, that you would go, the brethren would go on ahead to you, t- Titus and the guys, and arrange beforehand your previously promised what? Bountiful gift. Now, this word, this word bountiful, I'm not quite sure why they translated it this way. And when I was in, when I was in seminary, I hated Hebrew. Because it's the wrong end of the book, the wrong side of the page, and the wrong way. And nothing was similar. When I took Greek, there are some letters that look the same and some words. So this word, bountiful, is the Greek word eulogia. Does that word sound familiar to you? It's where we get our word eulogy. So Paul said, he said, go back. He said, your previously promised eulogy. Because, see, Paul's saying this gift that you're giving is going to speak more about you than it'll speak to people it's going to. He said, your generosity is your eulogy. Now, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been to a funeral and heard the preacher lie about the dead person? Oh, you have? I want to stand up and say, you didn't know him, did you? Because that guy was, that guy was, he was horrible. So now let me tell you one of the great things about being a pa- about pastoring a larger church and having multiple pastors on staff. I call it R-H-I-P. You know what that stands for? Rank has its privileges. So I only do the funerals I want to do. I do them for long-standing faith promise people that have been here for, for two decades. And I do them for close family and friends. I did Larry Petrowski's, my assistant's, funeral. He was one of my best friends, and he wrote his eulogy with his life, with his generosity, with his ministry, with his sacrifice. He wrote it, and all I did was get up and tell stories about him. This place was packed, but Justin, who led worship on the Pellissippi stage this weekend, did a eulogy for his dad, and it was entitled, My Dad the Superhero, and after the funeral, I told my two sons, Mike and Zach, get a copy of that. And when I die, it needs to be at least as good as Larry's. And then he and I will compare when I get to heaven. 
But, but, but see, he said, this bountiful gift, this eulogy, are you with me? This eulogy, how you live your life. How, right now, you're writing your eulogy. Nobody goes to a stingy, greedy, means person's funeral unless they have to go. So who's going to your funeral? Who's going to be there? Are they, is it going to be, are they going to be sad you're gone? Did you live your life with generosity about other people? He said, your previously promised eulogy, so that the same would be ready as a eulogy and not affected by what? Do you think every weekend our offerings to God and in this Heart for the Harvest offering are affected at all by covetousness? Is that a yes? I do too. The word covetous means a greedy desire to have more. It is an insatiable desire to acquire. Now, when I grew up, I was poor. But you know something in the 1960s? Nobody knew they were poor. I thought everybody's electricity got cut off from time to time. I thought everybody's water got cut off from time to time. I thought that everybody's refrigerator was empty at certain times of the month. Because back then, you were poor and didn't know it. When I went to get school clothes, I got two pair of jeans. I got a pair of tennis shoes and two T-shirts. That was my school clothes for the year. And see, but it didn't matter because I didn't know. Now, it's 2015. We are the most prosperous generation in the history of the universe. Would you all agree with that? And yet, can we do nothing but moan and cry and pout and whine that we don't have enough? No generation has ever had as much as we have, right? And yet no generation has pouted and cried and whined like we have, right? So having more won't make you happy. Think about it. The devil is a liar. And he will tell you if you have more, if it's just more about you, you get more, more in the bank, you'd be happy. No, you're not. The more you live your life for others, the more you care about others, the more you share with others, the more your focus is on others, the more you're like Jesus, the more happy you are. When I first started going to Central America and I walked down roads with open sewage down the street and little two and three-year-old kids naked running around and I watched people and all the kids smiling and all the kids outside, there were no Nintendos, there were no Game Boys, there was no consoles. They weren't inside looking at a 100-inch big screen with their games. They were just out playing and everybody was laughing. And I thought, what are these kids so happy about? Then I don't know how bad they have it. They sure don't. Having more doesn't make you happier. Now, having more is fine. As long as having more means you give more to other people, that you share more. I said, I was with a billionaire a few weeks ago, billionaire, multi-billionaire, and this is what he said. I want to be known for giving more than I ever received. Amen? Come on. That's the deal. That's the bomb. So, so what does he say? Don't let this eulogy, this bountiful gift, be affected by covetousness, this stinginess, this, or this, this insatiable desire to have more. He said, now I say this, and for you farmers, you're going to get this. He who sows sparingly, the word sparing is stingy. He that sows stingy will also reap what? Stingy, sparingly. Now, think about it. You decide in your backyard you're going to make a garden. Now, our, you know our young adults and students today have no idea where their food comes from, don't you? They're, they're, they're so untied to their food source. And so, 
But if you decide you're going to make a farm, a garden in your yard, and you plant four or five seeds, how many plants do you expect to get? Not many. So Paul says the gardener, the farmer who, spa- who sows sparingly will reap what? Sparingly. Now this boggles my mind. And part of it is because we have a biblically illiterate culture. But I get this all the time. If you're listening, say I am. Pastor, I don't understand why God doesn't do more for me. I don't understand why God doesn't answer my prayer. I don't understand why God doesn't bless me. And when I was young and I was afraid to confront people, I would say, well, I'm going to pray for you now. You know, one of the things I do when they say that, can I ask you a question? Are you a tither? You know what they'll say? Well, that, Pastor, that's none of your business. Well, I'm going to take that as a no. And this is the deal. We sow sparingly and don't understand why we don't reap bountifully. We don't honor God with our finances. We don't do what God called us to do. And yet we say, why doesn't God bless me? God doesn't bless you because you sow stingily. Are you, is anybody out there? Are y'all, are y'all with, see, listen, this service right here, the last service at Pellissippi, I thought y'all were going to boo me off the stage the last two weeks. It's a little better today. At least act like you like it. <laughs> and then nobody will know that I'm talking about you. Are, you. are you with me? Come on. See, this is the deal. Come on, God. Bless me. Come on, God. And God says, if you will sow bountifully. When Michelle and I made $16,000 a year, we had three kids, no money, and debt. We gave 20%. If you don't have enough, what's the difference? That was us. I'm serious. We had no insurance. We had no retirement. We didn't have anything. Nothing. I mean nothing. $16,000 a year and the kids that wanted three meals a day. We tried to train that eating out of them. It wasn't happening. And so what happened? We sowed bountifully. We just kept spreading the seed and we began to reap a harvest because the Bible says if you sow bountifully, you will reap what? Bountifully, and it came in ministry. It came in souls. It came in kids that love God. It came in two boys that serve God in ministry. It came in in a house. It began to come, and then when that when it began to when that harvest began to roll, it began to overwhelm us. And as Keith Grace said last weekend, the blessings of God now chase me and Michelle down. Are you with me? So. Man, you start sowing bountifully, and you'll start reaping. I'm not saying give, and you're going to be rich. That's not what I said. I'm saying what the Bible says. Whatever seed you sow and however much you sow it, it's going to come back. But each one must do as he purposed in his heart. The word purpose means to bring forth from your storehouse. Whatever you've decided in your heart, not grudgingly. A lot of people give grudgingly, don't they? You ever had somebody give you a present grudgingly? Did you want it? That's what God says. If you're grudging, just keep it. Just keep it. I don't want it. I mean, I, I've just given them back. So, hey, would you take this back and get the money? You don't want to give this anyway. Grudgingly or under compulsion. Now, we're talking about heart for the harvest. You don't want to give, don't give. Don't give, don't give grudgingly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And I told you a couple weeks ago, years ago, we used to take up offerings here. I know if you've been here for a long time, it's been so long since you've seen an offering, it's unbelievable. 
And, I, and the reason we did it is because every time they surveyed people that are outside the church, one of the top five reasons they don't come to church is because they believe the church just wants their what? Money, so they don't come. Well, that's the first reason. And, and, and so we did that. Now, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't because it doesn't matter what you do. You can't make lost people believe the church doesn't want their money. I can't make half y'all believe the church doesn't just want your money. Can I? Come on. How does he know? Because it's on your face. Like I said, I should I'm, I'd preach on giving. And then show y'all what you look like. And say, does this look like a funeral to you? Are these people at a funeral? Just, just put it up there. Does that make sense? See, it, it, now, and, but back when we took offerings, uh, and, and if I had to do it, let me tell you another reason why. Because now, <clears throat> to talk about money, I have to put it in a sermon. If I preach for 33 minutes on prayer and 60 seconds on money, people walk out and say, the only thing you talked about was what? Money. Now, listen, if you're mad when I talk about money, it's best not to say anything that day. Because do you think a tither ever gets bothered when I preach on tithing? No. So people walk up after a sermon on giving. They say, Pastor, I didn't like that sermon. I just say, now, so you're not a giver. How do you know? Because all the givers are happy. So if you're mad about it, don't tell me that weekend, because then there's a bullseye on you. I know you're greedy. Come on, y'all with me? Be smarter than that. At least act like you like it. And then a couple weeks later, say, I'm not sure, you know. Then I might, might be able to tie together. I, I, I might, might not be able to get it. So, so pull it back out one more time for me. So, but this, this verse is, is, so Paul is saying by the, by the under this race of the Holy Spirit, if you don't want to give in this offering, don't give. He didn't say if you don't want to tithe, don't tithe. That's not what he's talking about. That's why I used to miss it. I used to quote this verse all the time with taking up an offering. And actually in studying for this and just meditating in chapters 8 and 9, I realized when he said that, he was talking about this, this offering for the Jerusalem believers that were under persecution and poverty. He didn't say you can't. He didn't, you didn't get to opt out on the tithing. Amen? As a matter of fact, if everybody at Faith Promise tithed, we'd never do a heart for the harvest. We wouldn't. Because we'd have enough money to do everything God wants us to do, wouldn't we? But about 80% of you don't. And only you know why not. And so, and so this is the deal. This is what God wants to do. So let me ask you a question. Let me wrap this up. I'm way behind. How far are you willing to go for Jesus? How far was he willing to go for you? All the way. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4 says this. Therefore, since we have so greatly kind of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and every sin which so easily entangles us, and money entangles us. Listen, we serve God, and money is our slave. We are the master of money. It is not the master of us. God is our master. Money is our slave. Amen. We serve God, and money serves us. So don't get entangled by the money and let it get y'all bound up. Let us run with endurance. The race is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, second time, who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We're in a war, aren't we? Man, America's tired of hearing about the war against terror. It's not going away. And church, it is not going away that we're in a war for souls. 
So, and he says, because, listen, you've not yet resisted to the point of the shedding of blood. Paul ended up arrested, was at the Mamertine prison, a dungeon, a hole, taken out, walked down by the, by the, the pyramid of Cestius, down the Appian Way, to a, a, to a grove of pine trees called now Trefontaine. Because historically it said when his, Paul's head fell off, it bounced three times and there were three springs. That's, that's just folklore. Don't know that that happened. That's not. But, but Paul could have renounced Jesus, but he didn't. He was willing to go all the way. Don't let the world or your stuff distract you from the call of God and the commission for us to make it hard to go to hell from East Tennessee. Amen? Now, some of you have yet to bow your knee. It's, hey, man, it's hard but when you bow your knee the first time, isn't it? We don't like it. We, we don't want to bow the knee. Maybe you've never surrendered your life and your will to the Lordship of Jesus, but you've been around, you've been kicking the tires, and now you're ready. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're ready, we're going to pray out loud a confessional prayer. If you're ready to open your heart up, just pray with us. God's listening. Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. I confess you as Lord. I want to follow you. I want to live sacrificially. I want to put a smile on your face in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give God some praise in the house. Wow. Wow. Now, if you just gave your heart to the Lord and prayed with us, if you'll fill out the communication card that's in front of you, or you need a small group, or you need to follow the Lord in baptism, or whatever, you can drop your card in the offering box or take it to the Next Steps area. There'll be, there'll be pastors and prayer folks here if you need to pray with someone. Hey, has it been good in the house? Of, been good to be in the house of God? Listen, are you going to be ready next weekend? Come on, somebody. Be blessed. We'll see you guys next weekend.